Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So, that was the Bible in 50 words. Anybody want to guess how many words are actually in the Bible? Like, just throw something out. Just... 37,000. Um, in the translation that I use anyway, the NIV, uh, there are 727,969 words in the Bible. I counted them this morning. Not really. Um, but that's, that's what they say anyway. Um, so that's a lot of words. Um, has anybody read the Bible through? You've ever done that before? Like, not like in one sitting, but like over the course of like a year, you read the Bible through? Almost done? Awesome. So, when we, you know, when we read the Bible, maybe you've heard this before, that the Bible is the Word of God. I'm sure if you've been around church or Christianity for any period of time, you've heard the Bible is the Word of God, and we should treat it, we should treat it like this is something that you know, God wrote. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people um, grow out of their Bibles. A lot of people grow out of their Bibles. Um, I don't want to sound like Pastor, he says this sometimes, but I feel like there's a ringing in here. Or maybe it's just from up here. If you could just take it down just a hair. Um, but have you ever met somebody who it seemed like they kind of grew out of their Bible? Like they were, when they grew up, they sang, Jesus loves me, this I know, for my Bible tells me so. And then they got a little bit older and they just kind of grew out of it. We grow out of a lot of things. Um, as I was thinking about some of the things that I've grown out of or that maybe other people would grow out of, um, I kind of have a, a, a list of a couple things um, that Matt's going to put on the screen there. Um, there are a couple, there's some things that we grow out of. Um, like you grow out of your teddy bear. Some of you do. Is anybody willing to admit, like, I still sleep with my favorite stuffed animal? Nothing wrong with that. No judgment on my part. No judgment on my part at all. You know, no judgment at all. You know, David's 40-some years old, and he still sleeps with his stuffed animal, I know. Uh, <laughs> but, um, but anyway, um, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. How many of y'all grew up watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse? It's the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Come inside. It's fun inside. All right. Um, the Easter Bunny, remember you thought there was an actual bunny that laid eggs? Like how disturbing is that? How many of y'all used to love to play with Barbies? I know John did. Um, but how many <laughs> love to play with Barbies? Now you, but you guys better not have loved to play with Barbies unless you were strapping M80s to their heads. Uh, you know, that, that was what I did with my sister's Barbies. Um, so yeah, but all, you know, how many of y'all remember back in the day when you thought girls had cooties or you thought boys had cooties? They actually still do have cooties. You just learn to look past the cooties, right? Um, so there, there are these things that are there are these things that are part of our childhood, right? That we grow out of. You used to think the tooth fairy actually showed up when you lost the tooth, and then you realized your dad was a tooth fairy, and how creepy is that? There are things, there are things we grow out of, but here's, here's something that, here's something that's kind of sad. Those were funny. Those were funny. This is sad. Some people think they've grown out of the Bible. I dug this out of what was called my special box that my mom saved for me. This is a Bible that was given to me when I was a kid. Um, I got this when I was five years old. My parents gave it to me for my birthday. I had a birthday on a Sunday that fell on a Sunday. And my parents told me, we have a special gift to give you on your birthday, on Sunday. 
And that was right around the time, this is going to date me, but this is right around the time when the Nintendo was coming out. Like, the Nintendo, not Super Nintendo, the Nintendo, okay? Um, so I thought, oh man, Nintendo. And as soon as they gave me the box, the, it was one of those where it was in a box that was bigger than the Bible was. It was about a Nintendo shaped box. Man, I was tearing that thing open and it was a Bible. And you know, I couldn't be like, I'm disappointed in this Bible you got me. So, you know, even at five years old, I knew how to be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And it, but yeah, and looking back, I'm so glad they got it for me, of course. But, you know, it was genuine imitation leather. It had my name imprinted in gold. Anybody else, their parents did that for them. They got like a Bible with their you know, name put on it, you know. And I took it to church every Sunday. Um, some of y'all know Mr. Phil and Miss Ann. Uh, who go to our church, the Newberries, they used to teach the first through third graders. And when they, they gave you a sticker to put in your Bible every time you brought your Bible. Um, and as you can see in my Bible, and can I tell you this, a page fell out that was full of stickers. So when it comes to super Christians, I've got the badges to prove it. Okay. I took this Bible to church with me every Sunday. Um, I went to a school where sometimes you had to use the Bible. So I took this Bible to school with me. And I took this Bible even to college with me. And there are things in this Bible that, you know, when I was you know, sitting in church, I would highlight when they told me to highlight things. But there's one thing that I really never did with this Bible that I'm ashamed of, even though it's kind of worn out. It's not necessarily worn out from everyday use. It's worn out from being in my locker at Grace Christian School. And it's worn out from being just around for so long. But I never really spent time studying this Bible. When I was in Sunday school, I learned a lot of Bible stories. You know, and I put on here, there's not, not to knock this Bible, you know, anybody ever have the precious moments Bible that have like the little white kids on them? Yeah, yeah, it's the Bible story from the experience of a, yeah, a, 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 a of a Anglo-Saxon child. And, um, and, and, and they make everything sound so like, yeah, it makes all the stories just seem like, almost like fairy tales. And as I grew up, I started hearing things about, well, you know, there's this scientific data, and I'd look at that, and I think that doesn't really seem to jive with what I have been told. And people tell me this is the Word of God. Did I throw my Bible away? Did I say I don't believe in God? Do I say I don't believe in the Bible? No. I didn't throw it away, but I kind of put it on a shelf for a little while, and I just kind of lived the, my life the way I wanted to live my life, because I thought, well, if, you know, if I'm not for sure that I really, this is even the Word of God, why should I care that much? Why should I live my life according to it? And maybe you've done that. Maybe that's your story. You know, we've been, our series is called God Speaks. And you've been told Jesus said or God said in the Bible. But somebody showed you some places in the Bible where it didn't maybe at, the, at, at first glance seem like dates added up right. Maybe somebody showed you a, some scientific data that you didn't seem like, it didn't seem like it jived with the Bible. And that caused you to kind of discount some of the stories in the Bible. Maybe you didn't necessarily discount the stories in the Bible, but they don't really have much of a grip on you. You know, you read them, you hear them about them at youth group, but they don't really even change the way you live. Um, 
Tonight, I don't want to tell you a Bible story. Tonight, I want to share with you the story of the Bible. And I think if we understand, if we understood the story of the Bible, we wouldn't be so quick to discount the stories in the Bible. And what we're going to learn tonight is, yeah, last week, anybody remember what the, the, the big theme was last week or the main lesson was last week? I'll get, God speaks through Jesus. Christian has it written down. Um, God speaks through Jesus. But how exactly does God speak through Jesus? God speaks through Jesus by way of the Bible. And that's the big lesson tonight is the Bible is how God speaks through Jesus. Yeah. God doesn't speak necessarily through angels right now. God doesn't speak through carrier pigeons. Um, God doesn't have a Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if God would be on Twitter with everything that's going on on Twitter. Um, yeah. God speaks through Jesus in the Bible's how God speaks through Jesus. So tonight I want to start by telling you the story of the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and open them. And we're going to start at the very beginning of the story of the Bible. Where do you think that is? Well, you would think that. But the, the story of the Bible actually starts in Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 1. And some of you, your head is going like, you know, the, the gears are grinding. And I can smell like a burning smell, like your rubber burning or something. Um, the story of the Bible starts in Luke chapter 1. And a couple things we know about Luke. Luke was a doctor. And Luke was someone who was an eyewitness to Jesus. How cool would it have been to follow Jesus and to get to watch when Jesus healed somebody who was lame and when Jesus got to raise a widow's son back to life? How cool would it have been to be at the, um, um, be at the Mount of Olives when Jesus gave like one of his most famous like sermons? Be pretty exciting and pretty awesome. And Luke, he was writing down everything that Jesus said. And Luke was a doctor too, so Luke was kind of OCD about things. We like it when our doctors are OCD, right? We don't want Dr. Bubba, right? <laughs> I'm just going to give him, I'm just going to slice that thing open. I'm going to make a few cuts, take out what needs to be took out, you know. You, you, the, the, that, you, you do not want that to be your doctor, right? You want a doctor who is just, yeah, who is so precise that it almost drives people crazy, right? You want the doctor to be, tell you exactly what he's going to do to you. You want a doctor who is OCD, and Luke was a good doctor, he was OCD. And that's why Luke's gospel is the most detailed, is because Luke was a doctor. And Luke wanted to give an account of Jesus' life to this guy who was a, he was a Greek guy, and he was kind of like a, a man of standing, and his name was Theophilus. Um, he was someone who put his faith in Jesus because he heard a story about Jesus being resurrected. But he wanted to know more about Jesus. So Luke starts, he, he wrote him this account of what Jesus did. And this is what Luke wrote. Luke chapter 1, verse 1, he says, Many have taken, undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. So you have Luke, he wrote this account to this guy named Theophilus. In this account, 
is where we get the book in the Bible that's called Luke. Before there was the Bible, there were these accounts that were written by people who followed Jesus. Yeah, the, 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 first, the, the first Christians, they didn't have this Bible. Yeah, they had um, fragments or you know, different scrolls from the Old Testament because that was around. But they weren't sure whether they should treat that as scripture yet or not because they didn't have the words of Jesus. And they had these letters that were circulating from eyewitnesses. And then year, years later, um, some really helpful people, they took all of these eyewitness accounts of Jesus along with the Old Testament. And they put them together in the book that we call the Bible. And then a little bit later, they added like chapters and verses and page numbers so it would be easy to navigate. But before there was the Bible, there were these eyewitness accounts of Jesus that became the Bible. You, you following me so far? I don't want to jump ahead of myself. So Luke was one of the first to write this eyewitness account of what he saw Jesus do. So here's the first thing that we learn from this passage that's kind of the beginning of where we get our Bible from. And it's this. The story of the Bible begins... Not in Genesis 1-1, although that's the beginning of the Bible. But the story of the Bible begins with the resurrection of Jesus. It begins with the resurrection of Jesus. Um, look at something here. I've got this picture of, it's, it's a politician, it's Bernie Sanders. Whether you feel the burn or not, he, he, that's, not, that's, not the, uh, that's not the debate tonight. Um, what I'm saying is, wherever he goes, he attracts a lot of media because, of, because people are interested to hear what he's saying. Um, so I just found a picture of a bunch of media people, and he happened to be the center of it. Um, so the media follows people who deem, are deemed important, right? Um, Look at what Luke says as he's writing this account. He says, um, many have taken to draw up an account of these, of these things that have been fulfilled. What things have been fulfilled? He keeps going, and in verse 4 he says, so that you may know, Theophilus, the certainty of the things that you have been taught. What things is he talking about? What thing is worth documenting? The reason that Luke is writing this is because something happened. What was it that happened? Well, let's, let, let's talk about that. What does Luke's gospel talk about happened? Well, it starts out with Jesus saying some pretty unbelievable things. If I were to get up on stage here and make some claims, what would you think of me? What if I got on stage and I claimed that the only way to get to God was through me, through Matt McClay? What would you think of me if I said that? Some of you would just, like, chuckle. He's lost it. Finally, he's finally lost it. Some of you would maybe get a little offended because I shouldn't claim to be the only one who could connect you to God. Uh, what if I got in front of you and claimed to be like Jesus did, claimed to be in John chapter 8, and I claimed to be sinless? If I stood before you and claimed to be a sinless person, you may start to get a little, a little angry. Like, who's this stuck-up guy I think he is? What if I stood before you and I say that me and God... I and the God the Father, we share the same glory. That I have the glory of God the Father and I'm standing here in front of you. You'd start to get pretty upset, wouldn't you? You'd start to be thinking, okay, we need to like tar and feather this guy. Like this guy's dangerous. He's lost it. And what if I stood before you and claimed to be the son of God? That'd be pretty unbelievable. And then what if I came up the next week and I said, guys, I just want to clarify I am God. Jesus claimed to be God. 
What if I told you that if you came and spoke to me that I could forgive your sin and make you right with God? You'd be getting pretty angry. If I told you that I could give you everlasting life, you would think that's pretty unbelievable. If I told you that I'm going to take a little road trip to heaven and I'm going to come back here, take over the earth, and I'm going to rule the earth, you would find that to be pretty unbelievable too. Those were all claims made by Jesus in front of his disciples recorded by Luke. Those are pretty unbelievable claims. And most people had one of two reactions to those claims. Some people thought it was funny. They're like, ha Jesus, funny joke, that's good. I've had a bad day and I needed a good joke. And then the other group of people were like, oh, I can't believe you said that. We must kill him. And that's why, <laughs> yeah, and th- that's why he died. Because he claimed to be God. He was put to death because he claimed to be God and he claimed to be king. The Jews uh, wanted to put him to death because he claimed to be God. The Romans wanted to put him death to, to death because he claimed to be king of the Jews. He was made these unbelievable claims in both of those factions. The Romans and the Jewish leaders thought, if we kill him, we kill the story. So let's kill him. And then Luke goes on in, in Luke to paint, in painstaking detail record how Jesus died. Luke wanted to make sure you knew that Jesus was dead. He recorded with detail how Jesus had these, uh, they weren't nails, they were more like pegs, like tent pegs driven into his wrists on the cross and one through his legs. And then he, in great detail, recorded how a Roman soldier who was trained to do this took a spear and plunged it right underneath Jesus' rib cage so that the spear would go up and puncture his heart and kill him instantly. And he described that in detail. And the, the doctor nerd, you can hear it coming out of Luke because Luke doesn't just describe that. He describes that when the Roman soldier pulled the, um, pulled the spear out, that blood and water came out. Why would a doctor be so interested in that? It's because Luke was like, oh, this is so crazy. Like, because that Roman spear, it not only punctured the heart, but it punctured the pericardial sac around the heart so that when the blood came out, it was followed by this pericard, the, the fluid in the pericardium, which is clear and looks like water. So he's just like nerding out on all these details. He's writing all these details down because he wants to make sure you knew that Jesus died. He talks about how, um, he talks about how a man um, named Joseph, Joseph of Arimathea, took, because he, even though Jesus made some pretty unbelievable claims, he took Jesus' body off the cross because he still kind of respected Jesus. He's like, yeah, I know Jesus made some really unbelievable claims, but he was a loving person and I really looked up to him. So I want to give him a proper burial. So he records how jo- uh, Joseph of Arimathea put him in a grave. Then he records how a couple days later, some of Jesus' followers, Mary and a couple other women, were going up to put some spices on Jesus' body so that when people went to observe Jesus' dead body and mourn and grieve over him, the smell of his dead body wouldn't overpower them. They went totally expecting to find him to be dead, but they come and he records how they find the grave, but they don't find Jesus. They're like, oh shoot, somebody stole Jesus' body. We gotta go tell somebody. And they're running back to tell somebody. They run right into this guy. And they're like, now this kind of, this may be ironic. They're talking to this guy. You kind of have a doppelganger. Did you know that? His name was Jesus. But he died and somebody took his body. And the person they are talking to that Jesus' doppelganger says, well, I am Jesus. And they hear Jesus' voice. They're like, it is you. And they see Jesus resurrected, 
They take Jesus to the disciples, and in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, it kind of, it's like this story in a nutshell, how Jesus died, he was buried, he raised on the third day, and when Jesus brought himself back to life, he appeared in front of Mary, the other women, he appeared in front of Cephas, who was Peter, the twelve, the twelve disciples, then he appeared to, it says, 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time. Jesus appears in front of 500 plus people alive. They're all eyewitnesses to it. He goes back to heaven telling these people, go make disciples and I'll be back. All that to say, Luke, when Luke is saying, he's talking about these things, he found something worth writing about. Something very important. Because Jesus made unbelievable claims. Right? Remember the unbelievable claims? Jesus made unbelievable claims. And when he died, it was game over. Everything he claimed to be, he couldn't fulfill. He said he was the son of God. The son of God doesn't die. He said he was the way to everlasting life. He dead. When he came back to life, all of a sudden, all those things he claimed, they have to be true. Because only someone who can give everlasting life can raise themselves from the dead. Only the Son of God could raise themselves from the dead. Because Jesus died for our sins and rose again, he could forgive our sins. So Luke is one of over 500 eyewitnesses who saw Jesus alive. And he writes every detail of Jesus' life. So the story of the Bible, it begins with the resurrection of Jesus. The next thing that we learn in this passage, by the way, if I were you, I would underline the word these things and the word things because they're not just things. It's the resurrection of Jesus. The next thing we learn is the story of the Bible revolves around the words of Jesus. Um, when Jesus walked and talked, he said a lot of things. And I've got a picture of a Bible. My Bible's like this too. How many of y'all, you have a Bible that has red letters in it? Yeah, with the words of Jesus in red letters. There, there's this group of people, you know, they, they say they're Christians, and they call themselves red letter Christians. I don't know if you've ever heard of these red letter Christians before. But here's what they say. This is their line of thinking, and I want to explain why I believe it's totally off and totally wrong. They say, we should only read the words in red in the Bible. We should only read the words that Jesus said, because that's all that Jesus said. But there's a problem with that. The words in the, the red letters in, that Jesus said, Jesus actually quotes a whole lot of scripture. A whole lot of Old Testament. Jesus actually confirmed the Old Testament. Um, Jesus was someone who relied on the Old Testament. And Jesus predicted, he predicted that when he left, that people would write down these eyewitness accounts and that that would become scripture. You know, sometimes we, we ask, well, if Luke really did write Luke and, you know, you have these other accounts of Jesus, how do we know that they're reliable and how do we know that they're accurate? Um, did you know that the Bible, the New Testament, is the only, the only story from, this is the fancy word, antiquity, but this is the only story from long time ago when Jesus walked the earth that has multiple eyewitness accounts of the same event? We have more eyewitnesses, recorded eyewitnesses that we can hold in our hands today of Jesus' resurrection than we do of any of the Caesars, any of the rulers of Rome. 
Yet you go into one of your world history classes and you're going to learn about, you're going to learn about Caesar Augustus and you're going to learn about, you know, you're going to learn about all the different people who ruled in the Roman Republic. They're all based on generally one or two eyewitness accounts and all the rest of it are based on somebody who talked to somebody who talked to somebody and this fragment of this document um one of the great you know, most of the documents that come from the first century we only have like little bits and pieces of each document and they try to put them together and they think this is what it means one of the most reliable ones you'll hear about in in your world history class um it's the iliad from home you have, you have the story of homer everybody familiar with that one it's like one of the classics one of the greek classics um the original one is nowhere to be found that, that that was written by homer and they have 643 copies of it but yet we we truly believe that that was the original those were the original words that were written um, there are over 5,000 copies of the bible manuscripts for the new testament that, that are found in Greek. If you include the Latin ones, it's over like 24,000. So these eyewitness accounts that we have, we can trust to be true. We have an eyewitness account by a guy named John Mark. We know him as Mark, the Gospel of Mark. Um, Mark, it's, it's believed, was he got together with Peter, who was one of the disciples, to write the book of Mark, the account of Jesus' life. And it's, it's the blue-collar account. It's the redneck account. It's the, I don't want to use a whole lot of big fancy words. I just want to give it to you straight. Matthew's account of Jesus that you read in the Bible, it's the account of um, Jesus coming as the Messiah to the Jewish people. John, John's account is the account of a friend of Jesus, somebody who spent a lot of time with Jesus. I say, what, what's, the, what's the point of all this? Why are we talking so much about, about Jesus in the Bible. Read what John wrote. John chapter 20. I know this is kind of a different kind of a lesson. I hope it's connecting. This is what John said in John chapter 20. Verse 30. If you don't have your Bible, it's on the screens. He said this. He said, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. That's the reason. That's the reason that God wrote the Bible. That's the reason that Jesus lived this life. All these eyewitnesses and why they wrote it down is so that by believing, you may have life in his name. The final thing that we learn. The final thing we learn is that the story of the Bible meets your story. What's written in here is meant to make it into here. Verse 4 of Luke that we, that we read. He gives a purpose statement for his writing. He says that so you may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. Do you believe in the certainty of the Bible, God's word? Because if you don't, it's not going to matter what the Bible says about anything. Um, we're going to be, in, in, in a few weeks here, getting into another series, and it's going to be called Hot Topics. We're going to be talking about topics that are, a, generally speaking, a big deal in your world. We're going to be talking about pornography. We're going to be talking about social media. We're going to be talking about depression, suicide, anxiety. But we're not just going to shoot from the hip and talk about, like, whatever we feel we need to talk about, we're going to talk about what does the Bible say about pornography? What does God have to say? What does the Bible have to say about social media? 
you'd be surprised. What does God have to say about depression? What does God have to say about anxiety? You see where I'm going with this? If we don't have a trust in God's word, if we don't believe that the book we're reading is the way that God speaks, we're like a ship in a storm without an anchor. We have nothing to base our life on. God speaks through Jesus, and the Bible is how God speaks through Jesus. You know, you know what I wish I would have done? Because this is actually the Bible that I took to youth group. This is the Bible that when my youth pastor would give the sex talk, I'd have it open. This is the Bible that when my youth pastor or Pastor Lemming would talk about anger, which a lot of times I have a hard time controlling, I would have my Bible open to it. But the problem is, I never let, never let the Bible work into my life. I had zero discernment. I didn't make good choices because I didn't let the Bible, I didn't let God's word lead me into the right choices. You want to hear God's voice this year. You want to hear God speak this year. You've tried every other way <laughs> except this way because sometimes this way tells us things that we really don't want to hear but what we need to hear. I know we've had conversations before. Sometimes you, some of you and I have had conversations before and you want my advice and I take you to this book and you roll your eyes at me because you want me to tell you what you want to hear, not what God has to say. How bad do you want to hear the voice of God in your life? It starts when we don't, don't just open this book, but we allow it to change the way we live. I had a lot of stickers in my Bible. But those stickers didn't change the way I lived. If I would have only opened up my Bible, not just on Sundays and not just on Wednesdays, but if I would have let it become a part of my life, my experience in high school and college would have been totally different. I pray it's different for you. I pray you hear God's voice when you open the Bible. Next week, we're going to talk about what to do when God is silent. You know, there's one book in the Bible that never mentions God. Does anybody know what book that is? It's the book of Esther. Never mentions God. It seemed like God was silent. Next week, we're going to talk about what to do when God is silent. But tonight, do you want to hear from God? Here are two things. This isn't a note-taking thing. This is something I'm directing you to do after we pray. Um, there are two things that I'm asking you to do. And here's the first one. The first is, Matt's going to be my card guy again tonight. Um, Matt, look at Matt back there. He's modeling our cards. He's our Vanna White. He's our, uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. He's our card model. Um, um, Last week, I just gave you a very basic card, and it said, hey, spend time with Jesus. Set a time to spend with Jesus. I suggested 9 o'clock, but it could have been any time. Spend time talking with him, praying, opening God's word. Tonight, what I want you to do is I want you to take this home. I want you to not only set a time to meet with Jesus, 
But I want you to study his word. I'm asking you. I'm not saying you have to. I'm asking you, will you study his word? I've got a couple scripture passages on there that I think would be great for you to start studying. Study his word. I've got a little guide back there on how you can study his word. And I can't make guarantees, but God can. And God said this, that when we open his word and that when we read it, it won't return to us void. Meaning, it's, even if we, don't, we feel like God's not speaking to us, it's never wasted time when we study God's word. So what I'm going to ask you to do, Matt's going to be back there. He's, I'm, I'm double T Matt, he's single T Matt. Um, Matt's going to be back there handing those cards out as you leave. Um, I ask you to take one. Um, take it home. Study the Bible tonight. The other thing is, we're going to post an event on Instagram um, here in a couple minutes. It's on the next slide, I think. But we're going to post an event on Instagram here in the next couple minutes. And um, all you have to do is subscribe to that event, and it's going to remind you to study your Bible at 9 o'clock tonight. So those are two ways to really make it stick in your life. Um, The Bible is the story of Jesus. It's how God speaks to us. If you want to hear from God, open your Bible. Uh, let's pray. Uh, Father, thank you for bringing us here tonight. God, I pray that your word will take root in all of our hearts. God, there's not a person in here who doesn't need to hear from you. Uh, Some of us are in kind of a a desperate place and we really need to hear your voice and we really need your wisdom on a certain area of our life. Um, God, I pray that, that your word will scream to us how you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.